get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, saver retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. One, two, three, four. You can hear Mike Claiborne on Cardinal Broadcast. You can also check out ClaibsOnline.com and Check out the Daily Cards podcast, their weekly visit with Keith Costas, Rammer, and and Keith Costas. A lot of great things at ClavesOnline.com. And the one and only Mike Claiborne joins us now on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line on 101 ESPN. Morning, sir. How you doing? I am doing fantastic. How about you guys? Everything's good here. Let's touch on the Cardinals first, Mike. We were just talking about the fact that with these next four series coming up at Detroit, Pirates, Diamondbacks here, and then at Colorado, Cardinals have a chance to make some hay and and hang in this race despite their injuries. Yeah, they do. Um, The the thing is, Milwaukee's in a similar situation schedule-wise also, but I think the Cardinals are a team now that just has to worry about themselves. They can't look at the standing. They can't look at the scoreboard. They just have to go out and play. And they should take advantage. You know, I think it's 13 games. I think you have to go 11-2 and two to really make some hay. And uh, we'll, we'll see, and it starts this evening in Detroit, a team that uh, they should handle. Klebs, if they do go 11-2 and two and handle these teams, does it really tell you what you are kind of searching for with this Cardinals team, though? Because when you look at these teams, even with the injuries, even with the struggles the Cardinals are facing, these are still teams that they should be beating. So I just wonder, after they emerge from that, if they do go 11-2, and two, if it might be a little bit of fool's gold with this team. Yeah, that's a great point, Michelle. Uh, I think if, if it does anything, it, it creates confidence and maybe generates good habits. Uh, because, you know, we've seen the Cardinals pound these teams that they're supposed to, and then all of a sudden they find somebody that's a little bit better than they struggle with. So I, I'm thinking that maybe they get their confidence going and, as I said, develop some good fundamental habits, and, and we'll start with pitching and throwing strikes and being able to pitch out of a jam and, and going beyond the fifth inning. Uh, those are the things I think you have to start developing if you think you're going to be in contention late in the year. And it starts at the top, and that's why you need a guy like Flaherty. And that's why I say they just need to hang in until Flaherty is back. And we don't know. You hope it's right after the All-Star break. But they are a different team, and the record indicates that when Jack Flaherty is there as their number one starter. Well, you're right, and I hope, Randy, that it becomes contagious. You know, good hitting and good pitching is always, in my opinion, contagious, as it is when it's bad. Uh, And you hope that Flaherty can say, all right, boys, here we go and follow my lead. Now, my concern is for a guy who it's going to be at least a month since he's pitched, you have to wonder how built up will he be to the point where is he a five-inning guy? Is he a six-inning guy? If that's the case, then you're going to need more. You're going to need a lot more because this whole thing about stretching guys out and, you know, we're in June. There's no excuses now. You know, you have to be able to go longer. 
And I know we have a lot of pitchers in baseball that have max effort on every pitch. That kind of indicates how they probably don't know how to pitch. So in Flaherty's case, we got to get him going, but it's got to be contagious where some other guys have to be able to follow his lead. And I don't know who those people are going to be after the All-Star break. You hope maybe somebody else comes in. You think that Oviedo's getting better. You don't know about KK. You don't know about Gant because their track record has shown that five and flies about what they're going to be. Claves, I'm just looking at Bob Gibson in 1967, my man. So he comes <laughs> back from the broken leg, five innings on September 7th, then six and a third, and then nine and eight and nine. That's what I expect. Yeah, well, here's the only problem. There, there's only one Bob Gibson, <laughs> you know. So, you know, but but I'm like you, Randy, and I know we talk about uh, DeGrom and him having a very good year. But, yeah, I mean, you, you know, he's pitched half the innings Gibson pitched at this point. So, you know, he should be pretty good in this situation. And I'm not taking anything away from him. He's doing what, what most guys can't do. But when you talk about comparing Gibson and those expectations, yeah, that, that that's a whole lot to ask for. Klaibs, I I am totally on board with your thought process with Jack Flaherty. We know what a force he is when he's out there pitching for the Cardinals, and it would be great for him to return and have the boys follow my lead mentality. But don't you think that this team should already be falling in line behind Adam Wainwright when you have a guy who's turning 40 in a month and a half and continuously steps up for this team when they need it? If they're not taking that approach behind Adam Wainwright, I don't know why it would be any different behind Jack Flaherty. Well, you know what? You, you're spot on, Michelle. Um, we, we already have a beacon in in Wainwright. I mean, he just shows up to ballpark and says, okay, it's my turn. Okay, fellas, watch this. <laughs> and he's, he's getting it done. But, you know, and, and again, maybe if you have a Wainwright and then there's a Flaherty and then maybe, you know, I, I want to say Carlos, but there's just too many times when I put my – eggs in the Carlos basket that somebody sits on the basket. So <laughs> I, I just don't know what to say about him. And, you know, KK gives you, he gives you a chance. He's just not a, a guy that's going to get to face the hitters the third time around, it seems like. And, and John Gant's a similar guy. You know, you just don't know what guy's going to show up. And you just hope that at some point they pull together. And, you know, one, one of the other things I'm sure you guys have talked about, 500 teams are frustrating. They're frustrating to follow. They're frustrating to predict uh, because you just don't know what team is going to show up. You know, and this team, when you look at them on paper, with Goldschmidt, Arenado, Tyler O'Neill, Yachty, uh, Tommy Edmond, that's a pretty good group of players. Carlson's having his days where he's starting to put it together. So they have a good collection, but there's something missing, and I'm not sure what it is right now, other than maybe some consistent pitching, but then when you think the pitching is going well, then all of a sudden they get shut out. Klaibs, are you at all alarmed by the Nolan Arenado June, where he has only a 702 OPS? No, I think the guys like that have their hot streaks uh, and they'll have their cold streaks. Uh, You know, this is our first time seeing him away from Coors Field. uh, and, And I think that just goes with it. Now, the reason why I'm confident in him, I love his approach in hitting. If you ever watch him, he kind of reminds me of Pete Rose where he watches the ball almost into the catcher's glove. He doesn't get himself out as much as some other guys do. But, you know, when he's struggling, he's just not seeing the ball as well. And that's really what it comes down to. And guys like that, they'll pick it back up. So I'm not really worried. Are you worried about the Cardinals' offensive production and their approach in general? 
Yeah, I am. Um, it just, it, it's too inconsistent. Um, you know, but it's, it's what everybody teaches now. Everybody's looking to mash, you know, and, and that's why I enjoy watching Edmund and, and, uh, Amundo Sosa guys who go the other way, guys who can move around along guys who look to hit it in a gap. And, and that's, what's fun about the team, but there's not enough consistency, but yeah, I'm a little concerned, uh, because we have too many droughts, but when you look around baseball, I guess everybody's having it. Yeah, and just look at this division. It looks like nobody wants it, and there's no reason to think that the Cardinals can't win this thing because Cubs have lost 8 out of 10. They're tied with the Brewers now. The Reds are struggling. Uh, the, the Pirates aren't going anywhere. So the Cardinals have no, a good be chance. Right. We, can find them. we can find the Pirates in the same spot now as we will in September. Exactly. Yeah, right. So the, there's no reason to think that if the Cardinals, if they can get what their talents should be. If their talent can rise to its level, then they should be able to win the division. No, I agree. But, you know, here's my concern. You say it. I say it. Michelle says it. Just by everybody says it. But at some point, they got to do it. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what jump starts them. You know, I just don't know what it's going to take. And as we started a conversation about beating up on bad teams, They've got to find a way to break through and, and really have a high water point in the season where they beat a good team consistently. Uh, because, let's face it, if you plan on winning in October, you're going to have to beat a good team. All right? There are no Pittsburgh Pirates. There are no bad teams. There's no Arizona Diamondbacks that are going to be playing in postseason. So you have to figure out how do we beat the good teams? What, what do we need to be better at? Hey, Claves, a couple more quick things. Number one, I love the unpredictability of the Stanley Cup playoffs. I would have never dreamed that Montreal could be even in their series with Vegas, but they are. Yeah, you know, I kind of thought Vegas was the, the, the best team in the tournament, and maybe the Vegas started maybe not paying enough attention to Montreal. Now, granted, they've outplayed the Canadians a lot. Carey Price has been a difference maker. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they, they haven't been able to score. And this is a team I thought, you know, I thought they were balanced. I thought they had enough scoring but they haven't been able to. Uh, and now they're kind of playing Montreal's game. Uh, so we'll see what happens tonight because I, I think, obviously, anytime you have game five, it's important. But Vegas needs to show up. Uh, I, I guess their goaltending is set now. You know, Fleury had the flub, and then they go back with the, uh, with the other guy, and he was really good. So we'll, we'll have to wait and see. And it wouldn't hurt if Montreal could find a way to hit the back of the net without a couple of fluke goals. Right, right. And then I want to ask you if you're rooting for the Atlanta Hawks because they used to be here. <laughs> My first basketball game in the NBA was a St. Louis Hawks game. Uh, and I remember Ben Kerner. It was Lenny Wilkins' night. And Ben Kerner pulled out a Lincoln Continental. They gave him a car. And uh, that was my first game. And I've always kind of been a, a Hawks fan, even when they went to Atlanta. You know, they had Dominique and some other good players. Uh, I'd like to see them get there. I really would. And I remember meeting Lenny Wilkins later in life, and I asked him about that car. He said, you know, I had that car in the garage for a long time. He said, I just sold it not long ago. And this is, I guess, 20 years, 25 years ago when I asked him about that, but he remembered it like it was yesterday. I guess I would too if somebody gave me a car in the middle of an arena. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And by the way, the last time the Hawks were in, in the finals 
was here in St. Louis in 1958. So it's been a minute for them. And you look at these playoffs, the Bucks' last victory was with Lou Alcindor in 1971. And then the Clippers and Suns have never won. So we'll have a relatively new champion in the NBA this year. And I think that's good for the game. Um, you know, we're seeing some faces that we normally don't see. Uh, they're going into TV markets that are legitimate markets. You know, Milwaukee's a small market, but, you know, you look at L.A., you look at Phoenix, you look at Atlanta. I mean, those are all major markets. So it's good for the game. We're seeing some new players that aren't named LeBron, and I think fans are getting a kick out of it because we're watching some real good fundamental basketball as well with good shooting, uh, some good team defense, and uh, I think it's only going to get better, and I'm I'm anxious to see how this thing turns out. Who do you like at the end? I kind of like Phoenix. I, I think Devin Booker. And yeah, I know, me too. Yeah, Stephen A. called Devin Booker the next Kobe. I don't know mm-hmm. if he's if he's Kobe, but DeAndre Ayton is playing better than he ever has in an, as an NBA player. And if they get CP3 back, they've got all the elements to be a champion. And they got a good bench, too. Uh, I like the bench. You know, Ayton, to me, might be an old-school center. You know, he can play inside. He can play outside. He's a good rim protector. Uh, he's got some good footwork, good post moves. I, I really like his game, and he's only going to get better. A young man from the Bahamas that's uh, really developing. But, you know, that, that Devin Booker, man, he is fun, fun to watch because he can give it to you any way you want it. He can, he can pot, spot up and shoot the three. He can take you to the hole. He's got a good mid-range move, and plus he can shoot free throws. Right. Isn't that fun? Yeah, and, and out of all of those guys that Coach Cal has had over the last dozen years or so, I would not have thought that he would be the best NBA guy, but he is. Well, and you know what, Randy? We just didn't see a lot of him when he was at Kentucky. No. Hell, he was only there for a couple of classes. I mean, he, <laughs> he didn't play as much. So, you know, this is kind of new for everybody, but I don't think anybody knew he was going to be this good. No, he's, and, he's, uh, and he's only going to get better. Uh, Monty Williams, good for him. You know, he got the second chance to cut uh, I just love the makeup of that organization. And, and you know, it just pays that. You keep messing with that lottery, eventually you'll end That's the Phoenix. Yep. And if you have a bad owner that finally butts out, you can do something. Because they do have a that, That's the other thing. Yeah, he, he might be. Boy, you know, would he be on, I'm, I'm stealing the term from Frank Cusimano, would he be on a Mount Rushmore of bad owners? He is, yeah. Robert Sarver is his name. He's right there. He and Dolan are the two worst in the NBA. And Dolan, There's no question about it. Yeah. Well, don't forget about the guy in Denver. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So the NBA has he three of them. Up everywhere he goes. <laughs> yeah. So he gets a spot above everybody else. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. Uh, but it's going to be fun. It's going to be a fun series. Hey, tell us about this week in Claves Online. Well, we've got, as you mentioned, uh, the daily cards with uh, Rammer and Joe Roderick. Uh, Rammer and Keith Costas will have a chat. I have a chance to visit with the wizard, Ozzie Smith, and Dr. Rick Lehman. Talking about sports injuries and rehab and just how Ozzy's plight and how he had to deal with things when he was a player. Uh, for parents out there, I think it would be a good listen as far as how you can get your kids ready and if they do become injured, uh, knowing how to deal with it. And for all you OFARs who are trying to still go out and be weekend warriors, you might be able to take a page out of how Ozzy was able to prolong his career. So uh, some good stuff. Uh, later this week, uh, we're going to have a great guest on, uh, Bob Lattenville, to talk about the NCAA ruling, uh, or the Supreme Court ruling yesterday. You know, how about this? I can't recall when the Supreme Court voted 9 nothing on anything. Can you? No. And 
I can see a lot of people getting together unanimously against the NCAA. That's the one group that I can see the Supreme Court getting together nine nothing against. You know, I think I think, and then they're Stan Crocky. I think they get behind him too. <laughs> right. I mean, but 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 I agree that the NCAA doesn't have many friends. Let's just put it that way, and they deserve it because of the way they treated <clears throat> the athletes, their fans, and the member institutions. So, well, my final question to you guys. If you're a Power Five conference president, do you call some of these other presidents and say, maybe now's the time for us to walk away from the NCAA and put our own package together with our own set of rules and regs and we can go cut our own TV deal? 100%. Yeah. Yep. I've already had that conversation and it's time to pull the ripcord. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and there's a place for the NCAA to relegate, uh, regulate the uh, Division Two and the mid-majors and things of that nature where – there's still revenue to be made, and they can still be supported. But I think the Power Five schools is is they they have to take a long look at this because they're going to be on the hook for some mucho dinero if they allow the NCA to keep running this thing. Claims always great to have you with us. Thanks so much for the time. We'll be tuned in on the Cardinal broadcast tonight, and we'll talk to you next week. Ladies and gentlemen, have a great rest of your week, and I can't wait to talk next week, if not sooner. All right. Thank you, sir. That is the great Mike Claiborne joining us, as he does every Tuesday on 101 ESPN. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, BetOnline for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. Want more ways to show your good side to the world? Donate plasma at a Griffles Center and join thousands of donors who are helping to save lives. Receive up to $1,000 your first month. Learn more at grifflesplasma.com.